The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tally and Welcome back to IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your host. I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this week? This week has been a fantastic week for Canadian sports and Winnipeg sports, except for the the the, the very last thing we're going to talk about. But this has been a good sports week. We talked about the Canadian women's national football team, how they were last week, they were going to gold. When I was actually editing the show was right after the gold medal game. I put in my my thoughts on, on what had transpired last Friday, but you weren't around. So here I'm going to give you your, your shot to talk about Canada women's gold medal in football at the Olympics. What do you... What were you thinking? What were you feeling? I mean, just a lot of pride uh, when I, you know, saw them cheering and receiving their medals. It, you know, brought a tear to my eye. I mean, this is history. It's never happened. Canada is not known for football. I think this puts it on the map. I hear that this might lead to a, having a women's league or women's team in Canada. So, I mean, it's just fantastic for Canada. So proud of all the ladies, and um, one of those ladies is right here from the wrestling capital of Canada, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Desiree Scott, Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg native. She had quite the reception as she returned home at, at the airport. Uh, I don't think she was expecting that. Yeah, uh, she must feel like CM Punk right now. <laughs> Uh, in other sports news, the CFL has returned. Uh, the season kicked off last Thursday. Again, we had recorded earlier uh, in the week, so we didn't get to quite talk about this. The defending Grey Cup champions, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, started off the season with a big win over uh, in a, in a Grey Cup rematch against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And just last night, we got to watch a majority of the game. We had to stop watching because of... Uh, AEW Rampage, but the Bombers secured another win. They start the season 2-0 as they beat the Toronto Argonauts. What are your thoughts on CFL being back finally after a year off? I think it's uh, refreshing to have another Canadian sport to watch, and the Bombers look fantastic. Defense is, is there, and uh, Polaris, is, if he can stay healthy, I, I think we're... I want to say two P, but it's kind of like a three P. We've had that for, <laughs> for two years now. Yeah, for sure. the The Winnipeg offense looked really, really good in a, in a lot of moments, but they they looked really, really bad. And I mean, sometimes that's just a matter of the Canadian game only being three downs. You know, you kind of you get a big stop on defense and then a dropped pass, your, your drive is done. So it kind of looks bad sometimes, but. Uh, there was a lot of moments where the Winnipeg offense looked like high caliber, high octane. There's some deep balls that were almost caught. Like 
yeah, Winnipeg is set up to to dominate this league once again, and it's uh, super exciting. Yeah, can't wait. With that being said, let's get into this week of wrestling. It was a it was a major week. We had the debut of AEW Rampage Wednesday Night Dynamite. Of course, as always, we had an interesting interview that happened earlier this week that I want to talk about in a very special edition of Scoop of Vanilla. <laughs> So CM Punk did an interview this week. Um, I can't even remember what the YouTube channel was. It was like behind the ropes or, or what it was, but it was a short little interview. It was disguised as, you know, CM Punk doing promotional work for the upcoming series Heels that'll take a, that that'll air on Stars and Crave and you know wherever you get you get the Stars channel from HBO Max. I think it's part of. But the question was asked, you know, the the interviewer, not so subtly, <laughs> asks CM Punk, you know, AEW is is doing this a, this rampage show on Friday nights. They're gonna be in Chicago at the United Center, August twentieth. You know, is there any any chance you'll be in or around the building? And in classic classic CM Punk fashion, very coy like. Hey, you know, oh, uh, I think I think I'm doing a screening for heels. Uh, just let me check my calendar. Uh, yeah, uh, August twentieth, you said. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm in Chicago, but uh, we're doing we're doing something across town. It's just like, could you be more obvious? <laughs> He's really flexing the the actor talents there, right? You know, yeah. like he really checked his calendar while in an interview. Like I realize you're at home and you're on your computer, but I don't know. It seemed pretty fakeish, but you know, knowing CM Punk, it could be all part of the story it could. as well going, going along with the rumors. So I don't know. Do you think it's possible? I, to me, knowing, I mean, feeling like I know CM Punk, <laughs> this, this is all but confirmed. Like this was totally just that little red herring to, to put people in doubt. But I mean, it's for sure happening next Friday, August 20th in Chicago. They're not going to wait until the next week where they're, you know, in Chicago for all out weekend. You know, we got the dynamite on Wednesday rampage on Friday and then the the pay-per-view on Sunday. I don't think they're going to wait for that. They're, I mean, we'll talk about it later. Rampage is here to to turn people's heads. And I think a CM Punk return on Rampage is, is kind of the thing to do it. Yeah, and I'm I'm thinking back to that interview that we had saw which uh, I think was was it an all-out pay-per-view as well? And um oh, the Starcast. Yeah, Starcast. Right, yeah. right. And when he was asked questions like that there was very definitive answers like right. you know yes no these are the reasons why we didn't really get this here it was it was kind of more to it so i mean it's going to be amazing i i i can't wait until next friday for sure but the the story doesn't end there as the follow-up question was are you are you watching the product at all? Are you watching AEW? Are you watching Raw? Are you watching SmackDown? And we got a very 
again, like you said, classic answer from CM Punk here. He doesn't watch professional wrestling. The product that WWE is putting out does not interest him. And he makes a very specific analogy, which, I mean, to say I popped for is an understatement. As he mentions that there is 31,000 flavors of ice cream in the world of wrestling, I happen just not to like vanilla. And, like, I lost my shit. The name of this segment is Scoop of Vanilla. So what we're saying is, CM Punk, we know you're listening. You know, thanks for hitting us up. Yeah, thanks for the shout out. I mean, you can actually drop the IWP podcast as, you know, next time. You can be a little bit more specific. We're not shy from the publication, the uh, promotion. We, we would very much, in, <laughs> very much uh, <laughs> like the endorsement. But no, yeah, that, it was a really cool moment. I, 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 I messaged you right away. I'm like, dude, you got to get online and watch this right now. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's almost like he took the words right out of our mouth. So, I mean, like, I, I honestly, in my mind, believe I came up with that to call WWE vanilla. Because if you remember in those Keeping It Kayfabe days, those couple of pilot podcasts that we did, you called them chocolate ice cream. And I was like, no, nah, they're vanilla. Okay. I don't remember. If that was a subconscious, like I had heard WWE called vanilla before and I just forgot. I mean, it's very possible, but like, I swear to God, I, I wholeheartedly believe I came up with the vanilla WWE analogy. So what else could it be that CM Punk listens to the show? Yeah. I mean, it's not the first time we've heard vanilla, but I think we were already using it before we heard it. Right. Cause I think we've heard the young bucks say it as well. Oh yeah. Maybe. Right. Yeah. And I think if I was calling them chocolate, it was only because it's the popular one. It's the one kind of everybody wants, but that right. was like way back before, you know, AEW is what it is today. So yeah, we're talking like month three of AEW. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I give you full credit. You came up with vanilla CM Punk is stealing <laughs> your gimmick. All right. Well, with that being said, let's get right into AEW with Wednesday night dynamite. Wednesday night dynamite, August 11th, 2021, live from Britsburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, this was an amazing show. I think with uh, kind of the week, the week show we saw the week before. This one really stood out. It was really fun to watch. We had a couple of really fun matches, and that moment uh, when Brit Brit Baker comes out to kind of address her hometown crowd, the the pop w w was huge as we expected. And uh, it was just a very fun show to watch. Absolutely, man. And it really starts with this this first match where we got, like, the top guys. We got the, what I've heard them being called, the super elite. I don't, well, I guess it's only the elite. Maybe the super elite involves everybody else. But, uh, you know, to have the the best belt machine in the in the very first match, I think, is a big thing. Yeah, we, we don't really see Kenny start the shows off too often. So I think that was a treat. Uh, the Elite taking on Dante Martin and the Seidel brothers, there was a lot of uh, 
a lot of potential for some high spots here with the Young Bucks and, you know, Dante Martin and, you know, the Seidel brothers are known to do some flips and shit too. Uh, and that's exactly what we got. This match was just high octane from the beginning bell uh, right through. Yeah, this was, uh, th- th- this is bi- was actually one of the better matches, I would say, in a long time that wasn't kind of one of those high profile matches. Th- this is the way that every show should be st- should start you know just high flying get everybody into it and um i don't know i i for me one there's one wrestler in this match that really sort of stole the show who who is your man of the match oh there's no question that dante martin showed up like when you got a match that has kenny omega matt nick jackson and even and even uh sidell matt sidell like for this, I mean, rookie, essentially a rookie in the big times to come out and steal the show is, 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 is huge. And I can't help but feel bad for the other, the, the other brother, uh, from top flight. Like you've been Marty Janetti and you haven't even, <laughs> you haven't even been in the, in the company for, for a, a sip of coffee like uh Dante Martin is 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 the shit he's the real deal and he he took his moment and he ran with it he he took every opportunity to show the crowd what he could do i mean if you haven't seen this match you you have to go check it out and and just listen to the crowd and he gets in this match early and i mean they're not not behind him but they're also not behind him you know they're it's really more about, you know, not liking the young bucks, but I feel like it was the move where he, he jumps over the ropes onto like the, the bottom rope and then kind of slingshots out in onto the floor. I think that was the point. Everybody was like, this kid can, can really wrestle like he can do the high spots and that's when it kind of turned around and the crowd is like right behind them and, and cheering and um he gets tagged in later and like the crowd just explodes like they just want to see more of them um just fantastic for this young kid yeah 100 percent. it was uh it was a very fun match i mean for a six-man tag you know how much i hate these matches this was really really fun to watch um there was Early in the match, there were those moments where there was just like so much going on and it was getting a little bit hard to follow. But in that second half of the match, it was very precise on what they what they were trying to do, putting Dante Martin over, getting him, getting him, uh, you know, get, giving him his time to, to do his stuff. Uh, what I love even more about it, which puts a lot of heat on the elite, even more heat, is that after Dante Martin wins the crowd over he ends up taking the fall and uh <laughs> i mean it, it's just it's just good easy heat for the elite to uh you know chop him down when he was at his highest yeah and then and then the next day the young bucks changed their profile picture on twitter to be the uh the the elite trigger whatever they call it right yeah the uh, that that picture is now their their profile picture so that's just fantastic heel work yeah btev trigger i think is what oh right right excalibur called it yeah so yeah great match after the match 
Uh, Don was on commentary uh, throughout this match. He, he he wasn't himself on commentary. I felt like he didn't seem to talk as much. It, I wonder if he was having like microphone issues or something like that. JR mentioned his phone was on. It was he doing business, but it was very sporadic when Don was actually involved in the commentary. And then he comes to the ring, steals the microphone from Shivani, as you do. That's that's the gimmick, right? And then he just starts saying kind of all the bits that he did up on commentary, which I thought was kind of a kind of a miss. Christian Cage came out very uh, quickly after Don happened to mention, I know you're a bright guy, but maybe you need to go back to math class because you're, you're a little outnumbered. The timing of this spot was a little off, but I mean, it's excusable. Jurassic Express's music hits. Uh, they come out to back him up. They make their way to the ring. We go to commercial break. And then this was weird is like the microphone got given back to Tony and he goes to ask Christian a question and Don steals it again. <laughs> I thought like, <laughs> didn't we already see this AEW? But uh, essentially what comes out of this kind of post-match interview promo session as it, whatever you want to call it, is that we find out, we found out a little bit earlier in, um, in the broadcast that at All Out, in the, in the main event, it's going to be Christian versus Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship. They reference it again here, and Don's like, I mean, I get it. That's fine, whatever. You're the number one contender. We got to do what we got to do. But Christian comes out with the announcement that he can't help but notice Kenny's got more than one title. How about this Friday at the debut of AEW Rampage? It's Christian versus Kenny Omega for the Impact World Title, and of course this sets off the elite. They're they're not having anything of it. They're they're doing their whiny heel gimmick. I, I really enjoyed this. At the moment, the thought of having Kenny Omega and Christian in title matches, you know, basically two weeks apart, was really like boggling my mind. Like, how are they even doing this? This seems weird and out of place as i like to say what were your thoughts going through as you find out that there's going to be a second title match between these two i mean i also thought it was it was weird um I, i'm just trying to think you know the the win and the loss so you know kenny wins where can that go if christian happened to win you know how did they they play that out i was really just more excited for this is the match that is starting off the first episode of Rampage. I thought that was huge. Like this not being a main event is kind of crazy. So for Christian to say this is going to be the first ever match, I'm like, wow, this this is uh, fantastic. Yeah, the Elite kind of does their thing. The music, Christian's music plays, they head out. And then there's an awkward moment where Jungle Boy gets a hold of the mic and he's like telling them to turn the music off really awkward but he has an, uh, an announcement as well as he says i also talked to tony and next week on dynamite which will take place in houston it's going to be jurassic express versus the young bucks for the aew tag team titles and again they lose their minds and that's kind of where the segment ends uh what are your thoughts on jurassic express getting a title shot finally i think i think it's good i think it's good that the young bucks are are going to be defending. I'm not sure how I feel about Luchasaurus. It will depend on what version we we get from 
from this, but um, I was just more confused because, you know, we just finished hearing the elite saying, cut the music. And then we have what sounds like a five-year-old boy in the front <laughs> row saying, you know, cut the music. I didn't know what was going on. It, it was kind of weird. The camera wasn't on Jungle Boy at first when we're hearing the sound. And then you say, is, is this a production truck? You know, are we hearing the production truck again? Because we, we've heard that on AEW before. It, it was all just kind of really weird and funny. Yeah, no, it, it was a... Uh... It was a real downer. It was kind of a one of those mistakes that uh, we've come to come to know and love in a way from AEW. But uh, yeah, so huge huge news. We, we're getting a, T, a Impact Championship match in the debut match of AEW Rampage to happen later in the week, and a tag team title match for next week. Uh, big things coming out for the future here uh we go into a video package with malachi black uh talking about cody this was pretty cool more getting more into that kind of headspace that malachi is in um you know he's speaking dutch uh in, in part of this just building that character i think this is a good time he had his debut match he takes cody out let's start building that character to see what this guy is actually really about. Cause I mean, honestly in the three week build that we had to that match last week, it's not like Malachi was out there talking or anything like that. It was all just beatdowns, Right. So I, I really like this from Malachi. Yeah. And it, this was really well shot, really, really well done. And I think the biggest thing for me is he's got Cody's boot. And I feel like this is symbolism for this is not done, which uh, I think is really good news. We get a video package with Miro doing more of his uh, God's Favorite Champion gimmick, uh, the Redeemer. I like all this. Um, I, I like how they they use these moments for Miro to announce his new competitor. Instead of him, you know, Cody used to come out to the ring and then someone would come out and challenge him, kind of John Cena style. I like this flip where Miro is basically the one announcing, telling us who he's facing next. Uh, we get the news that he will face Fuego del Sol on the debut episode of, of Rampage, and if he wins, he gets a contract for AEW. Now, this is a story that's kind of been building on Sammy's blog, and it's just kind of one of those in-jokes, if you will, of AEW. You know, he's been doing the uh, Best Friend Olympics with Cody and stuff like that. It was announced, um, I don't know if it was earlier this week or last week, that he was officially a part of the Nightmare family, which, I mean, we all know doesn't really exist. We've never seen them all in the same room together. Don't get me started. But this is a big <laughs> moment for Fuego. He's getting a He's getting a TV match, you know, finally. A big show, there, there's got to be a lot of pressure on him. You know, you're not the debut match, but you're on the debut show. You got to come out and perform, you know, come Rampage. So uh, huge thanks for Fuego Del Sol coming up. Yeah, I, I really have like two thoughts going on in my head, and that was uh, Fuego's going to get ragdolled <laughs> in in this match because uh, he's so tiny compared to, to Miro. And I'm thinking... Like, we're just going to continue with the gimmick here. You know, there's no way he's getting a contract. There's no w possible way we could see the TNT title ar around his waist in unless it was a newer version that was a lot smaller. <laughs> 
kind of like Alexa Bliss's uh, Raw Women's Championship. It was like way tinier than the normal one. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't help but think like we really put Miro over when he had his match with uh, Lee Johnson. And I'm like, the fact that he gave that kid and bumped for that kid the way he did made Lee look absolutely spectacular. If he does this same thing for Fuego del Sol, like no one can ever talk anything bad about Miro. The guy is not just that squash machine that we saw in the vanilla brand. Like this guy is a wrestler and can put on a show and entertain people and put over his fellow competitors. I mean, if he puts Fuego over that way, he's kind of the shit. He's the man. Right. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Although the only, my only thought with that is Fuego doesn't need to get over like Lee Johnson kind of needs it because I think, uh, we, we seen on dark how the crowd reacts to Fuego. And, uh, I was fully expecting that when we get to rampage, we're going to see much the same. But um, as I'm sure we'll talk about later, Miro is the shit. And I think no one can say otherwise. We go into our next matchup of the night. It's Daniel Garcia being flanked by 2.0 versus Darby Allen. This is kind of continuing on with when 2.0 comes into the company and they call out Moxley and Kingston and Darby Allen. They have that six-man tag match that was actually pretty decent last week. Uh, Daniel Garcia challenging Darby Allen. We get to see a quick promo. Of, of you know earlier in the day and 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 all this kind of goes down so yeah why not this is kind of a filler match if you will it was just kind of something to to put out and, and fill up the segment but this was a really entertaining match daniel garcia is kind of one of those uh dark s- staples the last few months He's really kind of built a name up for himself, I guess you can say, for him to take this singles match on Dynamite and, you know, much like Dante Martin, take his opportunity and, and run with it. I think he did that. And and a good partner for him in Darby Allen. you know, similar size. These guys put on a, fi- a fast, high-octane match and uh, very entertaining to watch. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm really liking Daniel Garcia, and I think the only thing that he's really missing is maybe a gimmick you know something for the fans to really kind of grab onto uh he is very similar to darby allen but darby darby allen has the gimmick right like he has the the half painted face and whatnot uh i'm i'm really loving 2.0 uh this week on on bte like these guys have charisma i want to see more of these guys i i like that in the little video package you know, they were calling out Sting and, you know, they were going to take him out and whatever. So I want to see more of all three of these guys. And I, I think they got the right stuff for, for AEW. Matt Lee, he, he's, he's so old school. Like, like he's mid nineties, not quite attitude era yet, but you know, like, do you remember Otis from Vanilla Brand and how he was like eighties old school? Matt Lee is right, kind of right. that early nineties old school where he's like his eyes are always really big and he's like hey stagger (laughs) he's he's got a character that he that he seems to enjoy and do and he brings that out into the ring as there's a moment where 2.0 come face to face with sting on the outside and we get more of that kind of character i think daniel garcia being with 2.0 because daniel garcia is kind of a lance storm looking guy he doesn't 
really ooze charisma or, or even seem like he has a personality whatsoever. So to put him with two guys who are really outgoing and fun and charismatic, I think will maybe give him that rub that he needs to get over a little bit more with the fans. So I think this trio is huge. We just need a name. Are we going 3.0? Are we going 2.1? What's what's going to be the gimmick here? But I, I like these three together for sure. Uh, Darby Allen, of course, wins this match. Uh, all right, I guess we gotta we gotta mention Bryce. We shit on Bryce a lot. I totally forgot that this happened. But there's a moment in the match where 2.0 get up on the on the apron and distract Bryce. You know, Daniel Garcia gets the upper hand. When Bryce turns around, he didn't do the. I'm lost. I don't know what's going on. How did Darby Allen end up on the ground? Boo, boo, bee, boo type, you know, normal Bryce Ramsburg stuff. So I got to give him props that, you know, he pulled off a distraction for once. Yeah. I mean, if you follow the podcast, you know, our feelings on Mr. Ramsburg. And I mean, I'm glad you brought it up because it's actually news when, when Bryce does something well. <laughs> and um, yeah, it, I mean, it was little, just a little change and it made it that much better. It looked like how that is supposed to actually go down. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Paul Turner must've pulled him aside and said, listen, man, <laughs> these guys are talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like I mentioned, Darby Allen gets the win. He hits the coffin drop once again after the match though, which I thought was interesting. You know, this feud is nowhere near from over. 2.0 get in and take out Sting and Darby. There's a little bit of, of a of a you know there's a pull apart if you will. There was no one else there. Just a brawl, I guess I w- I should say. You know this is a tag team match that we get announced for next Wednesday, I think, if not th- the Rampage in Chicago. But it will be 2.0 versus Sting and Darby. Sting going to wrestle on TNT for the first time in 20 years since 2001. He was in the very last match of of Nitro against Ric Flair. So, I mean, this is huge news. This is a huge opportunity for 2.0. And, uh, you know, getting to see staying back in the ring, I, I like this. Yeah, and I thought he looked really good in this exchange here. He even does a suplex on the ramp. So, um, you know, he's not the Sting of old, but he's still, he's still got some of the tank. So I, I think this match is going to be good. We go backstage with Death Triangle Pack, you know, telling telling Lucha Brothers not to worry about Andrade. He's going to take care of that. You guys need to focus on tag team titles. I was totally expecting Andrade to interrupt here uh, and, you know, kind of continue more of the same that we've seen. So I actually really enjoyed that they don't get interrupted. We get a full promo from Pack on Andrade. We even heard Pac speak a little Spanish. I wonder how long it took Ray and Penta to teach him that little line, but he did a good job. It sounded legit. So yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying I, I really enjoyed this segment from Death Triangle. Yeah, man, it's it's like QT listened to our show last week and, and what we had to say about these confusing segments. And this is the way you do it. Just just outright drop a, a promo on Andrande, send out a challenge and and that's the way to do it. And and Pac speaking Spanish, I think that makes them more cohesive. Like they're not just two, you know, guys with with this kind of leader who's not even kind of part of them. So I think that part was really good on Pac. This leads us into our next matchup of the night, another six man tag. We got the best friend Chuck. Orange Cassidy, Wheeler Yuta going up against Matt Hardy and Private Party. 
this not quite as good as the uh, as the opening six man tag. It had its moments where it was really fun to watch. I mean, when you got Private Party in the ring, especially with uh, you know characters like Orange Cassidy and Chucky e. T, you know, good things will happen. But this match was the exact definition of why I hate six man tags. It was very chaotic. There was a lot going on. It was hard to follow. Um, we get a botch near the end where uh, I think it Cassidy goes for the pin, but Quen had literally just tagged in. And Bryce, I mean, Bryce must have got praised for his uh, non-mistake there in the first match. He gets the referee another match right away, but he goes and counts. He goes and counts the three when it was the wrong guy. Like, so right back to square one with him, but. Overall, fine match, but there were mistakes. Yeah, uh, Rem- Remsburg a little overconfident there after the the one <laughs> thing he did right in AEW. I mean, yeah, I, I I can't disagree with anything that you're really saying there. I, I feel like this is another opportunity to try to get Wheeler Yuta over. Uh, I'm thinking way less of Private Hardy as I have written here on the plan. Uh, I don't know; these guys were like had so much potential and, and whatnot. And they're just kind of lost in the whole, uh, Hardy family office. I just, I'm not getting them their new wardrobe and just all that. I, I don't know. I, I I'm just kind of disappointed where that all went with those guys. Cause I, I thought they were really good, but yeah, not a, not a bad match, not a, a great match. Just kind of okay. I like that you bring that up. Cause I never really thought about it. But when we had private party, you know, Street Profits Light, they were they were killing it. They were super over with the crowd. You know, they were getting tag team title shots. You know, they were in the picture. And then they kind of get get shacked up with uh, Matt Hardy there. And now they're, I mean, they're essentially being turned into private Hardy. You know, your, your, your typo kind of makes sense here. Where, you know, they're just a ripoff of, you know, Team Extreme from from the late 90s. The Hardy family office really isn't working uh, the way they maybe envisioned it. They're not even really getting heat. They're just, they're getting that bad heat where we're like, we just don't want to watch you guys. Which is unfortunate for, for a young team like Private Party. I'm, I'm really wondering if, if this was... You know, something to do during the pandemic era when we didn't have fans. And I'm hoping what's going to happen is maybe once these, I want to say storylines, but I I don't feel that that's what they are. But once kind of Matt Hardy is done with this, then he'll go back to broken Matt Hardy. I think we still need to see that. We didn't really get to see it. I think he dropped it because of there was just no fans to get that off. Yeah, and this was kind of something different he could go into and kind of save all of that story he probably has. So I'm hoping that we get to broken Matt Hardy at some point. Well, good news may be on the horizon as a certain character was recently released from WWE uh, who hasn't been seen since going into the lake in reincarnation. It's the last time we saw Bray Wyatt. He goes into the lake of reincarnation. He came out the fiend. 
Okay. So I've seen a lot of people talking about Bray Wyatt still in the lake of reincarnation. He can kind of come back out and, and maybe he brings the broken Matt Hardy gimmick back. I'd love those to see those two as a tag team. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if, uh, if Tony wants to go after Bray Wyatt, I think he'd be dumb not to. I totally agree. Uh, so we go backstage. I totally forgot this happened. So disregard what I said earlier about getting a promo from Andrade next week. Cause we get it right now. <laughs> right, right. He's backstage <laughs> with Dasha. Um, essentially accepting the challenge. We're going to get pack versus Andrade at all out, uh, which I mean, is perfect. We got, we got a, a two shows in between uh, to build this up even more. So hopefully they they do they do right by the story and and kind of kill this build for these guys. Uh, I'm, Pac's amazing in the ring. Andrade's amazing in the ring. Uh, so it should be a good opening match. I think this would be a perfect opening match for the for the pay per view. Yeah, I think so, and I can't wait to to get to our our um. What am I thinking of? Where we. Oh, like the prediction, picks. the prediction show. Yeah. yeah. Prediction show. Yeah. Cause this is going to be an interesting one. Uh, there's a lot of story either way that could go here. So yeah, for sure. This could be a deciding match. We get another video package from Proud and Powerful cutting a promo on FTR. Um, I mentioned last week how, you know, the buildup in t- up to the match that we saw on Dynamite a couple of weeks ago was very emotional. You know, we both came from hard times, blah, 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 blah. You guys know the story. Last week, they came out with that video package. There was intensity. There was some fire, which I really like to get more of the same here. This is kind of proud and powerful side of things. Um, really enjoying this. Uh, I'm totally expecting. I'm hoping Cash Wheeler is good to go for All Out because I think this would be a perfect match for for the card. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting here that uh, Santana says, oh, you're just going to take your ball and go home and, and, and we're not going to kind of finish this as if you know the injury never never happened but um i like that they're they're really trying to continue the story here and i i can't wait for how this is gonna end yeah they're they're handling they're handling the the unfortunate injury to cash wheeler really well and they're keeping it alive with these video packages we saw dax last week i'm sure we're gonna see dax again maybe maybe next week so um yeah they're doing everything they can to keep this kind of fire going you know and and hopefully it it uh accumulates to all of uh we go into our next matchup of the night nyla rose taking on chris statlander we saw a bit of this uh earlier during the six-man tag with best friends and uh, Hardy Family Office. There was a moment where Statlander, um, I don't think she got, did she get involved in the match? But she was kind of there, Orange Cassidy and like Mark Quinn were doing something on the outside and Nyla just came out of nowhere and, and laid her out. So similar to the way Layla Hirsch and the Bunny got together during, you know, Christian and Blades match earlier in the night to kind of, set up I, I think that's an interesting way i don't think i've ever seen that really before um where you kind of have just essentially a filler match just to get a couple of stars on tv you didn't have any build there was no promos so let's just have them kind of meet it you know in this interrupt style which will set up uh, at least get some heat face 
designation for this kind of one-off match that we're going to see later in the night. Nyla Rose versus Statlander. It's a it's a a rematch from Revolution 2019, which or 2020. Sorry, which I mean, honestly, one of the worst matches in AEW history. Um, it just these two did not work well together at that time. Chris Statlander was like brand new. It was like I think it was like her first pay per view. Might have been her first match in front of that many people. Who knows? Uh, Nyla Rose, you know, gassed out really quickly during that match. It was just a hard match to watch. This one completely erases that match from existence. It'll be the last time I ever bring this up because this match was it was quick. It wasn't quite as long, and they seemed to know exactly what they wanted to get done. They got it done. I might be a little biased because Chris Stantlander comes out winning this match, which is awesome. Uh, so, yeah, this was an awesome match for for these two. And, and totally, I will completely forget about that match at Revolution until we do a top 10 worst matches of all time. <laughs> right. That's what I was thinking as well. <laughs> but I think you're right. They really redeemed themselves here. And, I mean, we're a good year from from when that happened and we have really two different wrestlers i think that nyla has learned some some lessons and chris Statlander, you know after the injury and putting in the work to recover i think is even more athletic than she was before uh for me the the move of this match was the 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 setup for nyla's kind of top rope onto the to the wrestler who's kind of draped over the top rope um statlander goes into a handstand here nyla jumps off the rope and absolutely gives a deadly spear i thought that was a really creative way to 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 do that part of the match so um i'm in i'm in the same boat as you really well done ladies and um you know hopefully we see that in the future Spot of the match for me had to be the finish because something that we wanted to see in that revolution match was how much power Chris Statlander actually had. And we never really saw that. This match, we get to see her pick up, carry, and powerbomb Nyla Rose. And then right after going to the top rope and hitting a 450 splash. So like you talk about Chris Statlander's athleticism skyrocketed after the injury. You know, I completely agree. That was a huge, huge spot. From there, we go to the ring with Tony as he introduces Pittsburgh's own Dr. Britt Baker DMD. And I was expecting like a really big pop here. Huge pop. CM Punk in Chicago type pop. It was close. I, I'm wondering if you were in the building, if it came off a little different. I feel like AEW doesn't really mic their crowds the same way that maybe WWE does. Like when you when you talk about when you think about John Cena coming back at uh, Money in the Bank, there, like that was a huge pop. It came through the screen in a way. I feel like this was a really big pop, and and deservedly so. It just didn't translate through the screen as much. I, I knew the emotions were there and it, and it was cool, but it just didn't hit me like I thought it was going to. Yeah, it didn't have that kind of pop where, you know, you haven't seen somebody for a long time and then they come back or, or whatnot. I totally know what you mean there. 
Um, once she gets into the ring though, and the DMD chance start, I, I thought it picked up a little bit, but yeah, a little bit disappointing on her entrance. Yeah. I, I love that. They had the terrible towels out. Um, that was really cool. Brit's attire for this interview. Like she had this awesome custom made jacket going on. We had the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, logo on one side, the Steelers on the other. It was all black and gold. The, the Pittsburgh colors. Um, I thought she did a really good job of like kind of pantomiming to the crowd, you know, like really feeding into the, the Britsburg fever, but ever so subtly tearing them down. Like the crowd didn't even notice that she said, she was the only hope this town had for a champion. And I mean, like we, we kind of talked about this last night, Pittsburgh just won, like, like the Penguins just won a Stanley cup maybe four years ago. And we know how good the Steelers were in the, in the mid two thousands with a couple of, uh, a couple of super bowls. So I don't know. It's just like, they were just so caught up in the moment that they totally didn't realize that she was insulting her hometown. Right. Right. <laughs> and I mean, only, only the Penguins and the Steelers get love here. The poor Pirates, it's like they don't <laughs> exist. Yeah, the poor Pirates. They're actually a really good team. They're they're pretty close. They're pretty close to winning it all. Um, so yeah, that was really awesome. I, I like that this was an actual, you know, interview segment. There, no one's really interrupting Tony at this point. Um, but eventually, Red Velvet does come out, and it's basically just a straight up attack. Uh, really building like after this happens, I'm so hyped for this main event for Rampage. You know, it's just like, is it Friday yet? Yeah. And what I actually liked about this, which was very subtle is that Britt Baker doesn't pretend to not see her. I like that. She does see her and kind of gets ready for the attack. Um, you know, rather than, you know, she has to have seen her, but is totally ignoring the fact that she's there until she gets kind of hit. So um, I appreciated the realism of, of this part by Brit. From there, we get a video package from Starks and Cage. I don't even think we really need to talk about it. This is basically the same thing we've seen over the last few weeks. I mean, I should admit, like, I, I'm getting, I'm getting somewhat excited for Starks to get his ass kicked, but there's still a part of me that, doesn't think that's going to happen, which pisses me off. Yeah. Could Cage like win this match, win that belt back and then just chuck it in the garbage or something, something like that. I would love that. I would tweet Taz a video of me doing a happy dance. If that happened with the caption Fugazi Fugazi. Yeah. Uh, this brings us to our next matchup of the night. Uh, impact tag team championship match. We heard this, uh, Match booked last week on Dynamite. Evil Luno, Stu Grayson going up against the Good Brothers. This this is tag team wrestling at its best. Like I, I really, really enjoyed this match. These are four tag team specialists. You know, two teams that have been together for many, many years. Um, I don't know if these two have ever met before. You know, outside of that 10, 10 man elimination match we saw a couple weeks ago. But, you know, on the indies, if these two have ever, these four have ever met, I don't know. But it it wouldn't surprise me if they did because these guys clicked. Yeah, the best thing about this for me is seeing Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, uh, it, like, in a match. Um, I feel like we're not seeing this enough. These guys were, in my opinion, like, one of the top tag teams uh, pre-pandemic. And it's, 
I think if the pandemic ruined anything for anyone, it was these two guys because they are, you know, up there with the young bucks for me. Um, you're right. This was a, a fantastic match. We had Scott Demore on commentary, which I thought was really cool, and Hepner refing the match, which makes sense, being that it was a impact match. Yeah, this is something we've talked about with uh, the IWGP United States Championship kind of being defended. Uh, you know, Moxley defended it a few times on AEW. Lance Archer defended it against Hikaleo there the other day or a couple of weeks ago. But we didn't get Japanese or New Japan refs to ref the match. And, and we kind of thought that was weird. I mean, there had to have been a ref at New Japan Strong that could have made a, a flight out or even just throw a New Japan shirt on of some sort to make it look like, you know, and then you could have put, um, who's that other ref that we don't know his name there that got thrown into the garage door there like just throw it on him and let him riff the match would have been just that touch to make those matches really special so i completely agree with you i love that hepner's here in aew to ref these impact matches uh we're gonna see him again when we talk about rampage scott demore on commentary i mean not quite as as good or as entertaining as don can be on commentary but i thought it was a nice touch and uh he's just there to put over his product right which uh, I, I think he does a pretty good job at yeah and then we also get to see uh frankie kazarian at one point uh, attacking brandon uh i thought it was weird actually at the beginning of this that brandon was coming out with the good brothers but it makes sense when, once we get to this part of the match yeah for sure it was kind of a moment where he was about to cheat to help the good brothers out, but then he sees Kazarian coming, so he ends up just trying to run away. And yeah, it was it was a good moment. It, it's it was something to keep Kazarian uh, kind of relevant uh, with the whole thing. He's been he's been a part of every kind of elite match lately. I mean, he even showed up on Impact that we never really talked about and did a six man tag against the elite. So um, yeah, I, I really like this part. The good brothers eventually do win this this match with the magic killer. Um, I'm not surprised by this at all. I didn't think that uh, Grayson and Uno were gonna were gonna be headed to Impact, you know, anytime soon to to do some TV over there. So uh, this kind of all just makes sense for me. Yeah, I, w- I was really hoping though that Uno and Grayson would win. Um, it might be time to get somebody new in the dark order and it might even be cool that dark order starts to sort of spread to other promotions. Um, but, um, kind of like bullet. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I mean, I'm good with the good brothers holding on to these. I think they need it where Uno and Grayson don't really not right now. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, from there, we get to see a video package featuring Camille and Layla Hirsch. I thought this was really cool. Um, you know, we we know the partnership between Impact and and AEW is strong. We're getting a lot of, we're seeing even more crossover with these two brands. It started the whole Forbidden Door started off with the NWA. So I'm I'm glad that AEW is giving them kind of the, the spotlight that they maybe should have had from the beginning, kind of starting the whole Forbidden Door thing. So this was really awesome. We got a NWA-specific video package hyping up this this huge uh, NWA Women's Championship match that will happen at the Empower All Women's Pay-Per-View that NWA, 
A is putting on at the end of the month. I think it's August 29th. So this was really cool. Absolutely. And I think this is where we first find out that this match is going to take place there or not in, in AEW. And, and I like that because I think this is going to get more eyes on, on that product. I'm really interested in this match and, you know, would consider trying to, to watch it there. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm actually really excited about the empower pay-per-view, you know, uh, I'm not sure what's been happening on Impact. If Mickey James has showed up anymore to try to coax Deanna Perrazzo in, into showing up, I, I can only assume that that storyline is happening. So I'd love to see that. Uh, like who who else is going to show up on this pay per view? Uh, I'm actually really excited to see. Uh, from there, we go back to the ring. Tony, Tony, the man of the show. Like he he's in like eight segments on this show. Is crazy. Never mind doing commentary. Says five words, but. Yeah, he only got five, five words, words, but yeah. he's been in every segment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so this was the the apology segment that we've been kind of being teased the last few weeks. They kept pushing it back, kept pushing it back. This wasn't the best planned segment. I, I feel like there was a lot of improv going on here. Let's just go out and do it, which really showed. If this was planned, they completely missed it. Yeah, yeah, it, because it starts off weird because QT isn't going to apologize, and really it's Tony that should apologize to him. So we're not kind of getting the segment we thought we were going to get here, but then ends up apologizing, apologizing anyways. So, I mean, yeah, it just starts off with a little bit of weirdness. So, I mean, the whole the whole segment is all about Tony Schiavone's son is in the crowd. He mentions it during that first match. Uh, I noticed it when we talked when I watched it back a second time, and he's there that whole show. and And I love that. I've mentioned it before that when they do these plants that you know pay off later in the show, those people are there for the whole show. There's none of this vanilla brand style where you know it's an NXT women's match, and then the new signee gets brought for that match to sit front row so they can put them on camera. You know what I mean? Like these plants are in the crowd. You look at uh, Lambert and uh, Masvidal and Nunez and the Miami show. They were there in the crowd the whole time until Dan had his spot in the ring. So I, I just want to want to bring that back up. I, I love that they do that. QT mentions, I, I, I will have to apologize for what we're going to do to your son. Camarado grabs him out of the, out of the crowd, brings him into the ring Solo gets him in a full Nelson to kind of hold him back. And uh, QT just punches the kid in the gut. Now, they mention that Chris Schiavone wants to be a wrestler. And he, he's a pretty big dude. He's He's got this big beard. He looks like he might be training to be a wrestler. But he must be weeks in because they haven't gone to selling class yet. Absolutely. And maybe QT should have stiffed him a little bit. And, you know, welcome to the business kind of kid to to make sure that the sell came through. But it was not good. Yeah, I don't know if maybe he was nervous, uh, you know, first time being on TV or, or whatnot. Um, it, it almost seemed like, and I mean, we were joking about this when we were watching it because we had noticed the way that Matt Seidel and his brother there yes. were not really selling on the side of the ring. They were watching and waiting for their next spot. And um, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on Chris, you know, 
being, he wants to be in this business and he wants to kind of do it right. So he was really attentive in sort of what was going to be the next part for him rather than, you know, taking this punch to the gut and really selling that it, it hurt him. So it looked kind of bad. I want to bury the kid, but it looked kind of bad. Yeah, it did. Positive note though, he took the diamond cutter like a champ. That looked really good. But then again, when, you know, so the diamond cutter happens, Shivani kind of breaks loose from Camarado to go check on him. Or actually, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but, you know, it was in that moment when Tony Shivani is checking on Chris in the, in the, it, on the side of the ring, he's not selling anymore. He's, he's sitting there watching who's coming down the ramp, right? So <laughs> he took the move really well. He, he laid out flat. Like I, the diamond cutter hasn't looked that good since, you know, Macho Man and, and, and DDP himself. So, you know, props there. But yeah, you just got to work on the selling a little bit. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure he's hearing that quite a bit as he goes to the back and, and, and you know, has, has some drinks with the boys or whatever happens after the show. Um, so the diamond cutter happens, some new music hits. And it's only like five seconds that you're wondering who this is. And we hear a very familiar world. I can't believe they put that into his music. Did you notice it? I did not notice that. Is oh. that why you knew who it was? Yeah. I thought you were just brilliant and that you like remembered <laughs> the music. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Mikey Ruckus, uh, he he put the well in there. And I mean, it, it flows the same thing. And no, it's not well, it's the big show. It, it, it But it does lead into the lyrics of the song. It, it's, it's really, really slick, actually. Um, and, and, you know, one of the better entrance musics that we've heard from, from Mikey Ruckus. I, I really enjoy it. Anyways, uh, Paul White comes out, no more big show, no more BS. Um, he marches down to the ring. This is very classic. Like, it, it's been a really long time since Paul White has kind of marched down the ring with with some intensity on his on his face. I, I feel like the the end of his WWE run, he was so busy flip-flopping from heel to face that he didn't know who he was. You know, to, so to see that intensity and, and, and kind of purpose in his face is really cool. He makes his way into the ring and QT showing his true colors just throws solo to the wolves here. What would you think of this? I mean, yeah, good to see Paul White back. You could see on his face that this wasn't to, to come out and, and do any talking, that he was coming out for business. And uh, this is the best part for QT here is, is that he doesn't try to, to face Paul White himself. And uh, poor Aaron Solo takes a pretty massive choke slam here. And, you know, we've been saying a lot of good things about Aaron Solo in these interviews and whatnot, just really kind of doing the acting part of it. And I thought he took this choke slam really well. Yeah, he did. It looked really good. It looked huge. So there's there's a little bit of a stare down afterwards as QT kind of slinks his way around the ring to, to kind of get away from, from uh, Paul White here. But... Uh, is this, do you think this is the vehicle that brings Paul White onto the show? Are we, are we going to see him in action? Kind of how we've been seeing Sting? Or is this just, is this sort of a, an advert for Elevation as he just comes out to kind of help out his broadcast partner? I mean, I I want to say it is. I, I don't know. I think if I was Paul White and you're just seeing like all this cool stuff happening around you and you just want to be part of it and i think that qt 
Paul White, that will be a good way to sort of to get it started. He will obviously, you know, I think go over or possibly put QT over and, and maybe try to to build that QT character to, to be better and kind of more hated in the company. So um, I'd like to see him in there. I, and what we've seen is that, you know, these older veteran guys like Paul White looks in, in really good shape. And if Sting can do it, I think that Paul White could do it as well. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I like that QT big show. I think you can use the rest of the factory Camarado and solo to, uh, you know, cheat to, to get QT the win. Like I've said before, the factory needs to start winning. If they're going to be portrayed as this heel faction, they got to start winning matches. I've or it, or putting over that they never win. That's kind of like the the counter to that. Yeah, it, which I, I don't see them doing. I I was just gonna say it's been a long time since we've seen a prominent heel faction that just constantly loses. It, it it's it's been a while. Right. From there, we get into the fourth labor of Jericho the 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 match of the night uh, potentially. Uh, he's going to be taking on Wardlow. It was that it was during this, um, the, during this match that we that we kind of get confirmation that it's not five labors and then MJF, but MJF is the fifth labor, which I I feel like is a miss because we're getting this match next week, and we still got two weeks to all out. So it it, it kind of makes me interested into how they're going to play this out. I still think we're going to get Jericho MJF at all out, but now they got to think about how they're going to do that. And it make kind of makes me lead to believe that he might lose, but I'm spoiling what happened in this match. Um, Wardlow versus Jericho. This was, um, holy smokes. I've, I've seen this match before. It's it's Brock Lesnar versus Cena at SummerSlam. Like this was the exact carbon copy of that match, except for instead of twenty four suplexes, we got twenty four power bombs. And holy shit! Like Chris Jericho had to have been feeling that on Thursday. Yeah, I did not. I would like if you asked me, how do you think this match is going to go? This is not how I thought it would play out. It, it, it kind of makes sense. I mean, you have Wardlow that's kind of that Brock Lesnar style, you know, doesn't really cut any promos. He's just a big guy who's, um, you know, going to break people, essentially. Um, I didn't mind it, though. I, I think it, it really worked out. I, I it, the, the story sort of being that, you know, you made it this far, and I feel sorry for you, but we're not going to make it to Labor 5. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a clever way. I never I never expected it to go this way, like you say. Um, this match, more so than anything, really was the softening up. Like, that was kind of the, the plan B, you would say. If you're looking at this kayfabe, like, we, we saw the, the promo spot that started the show with um, MJF kind of talking about you know, you're not going to make it to the fifth labor and all that stuff. And then we get that mention of Wardlow losing to, to Cody. 
and, you know, make sure you win this one, you big lug or, or whatever he says. So, you know, Wardlow in there just beating Jericho down to a pulp, really weakening him up. I like how they go into the ending here with MGF going to uh, try to give Wardlow the, the diamond ring, uh, the dynamite diamond ring. Uh, Aubrey catches it, throws MJF out, which is all the distraction that Jericho needs as he hits the Judas effect and, or hits him with Floyd first actually. And then the Judas effect, um, you know, keeping that move looking really strong. I don't think anybody's really kicked out of the Judas effect yet. Um, you know, one, two, three for Jericho on to, on to labor five next week against MJF. What did you think about the finish? Yeah, I thought the finish was was really well done and really my only critique for this match and it's very much the same thing that we saw in the first labor with Sean Spears is that the whole stipulation part really wasn't right part of this besides this one little distraction MJF really wasn't really part of the stipulation, you know, like um I would have just liked MGF to be more of a factor, maybe, um, yeah, getting more involved. But, you know, other than that, like, this is Chris Jericho at his best. I think he made Wardlow look really, really good. He took another shit kicking. Um, he's really making these labors look like they're labors, and that's fantastic. Yeah, I totally forgot that the stipulation is just MJF being at ringside. And we kind of had that discussion, you know, was he a, an enforcer, you know, ringside enforcer like we've seen Tyson in the past? Is he going to be able to call the match in any way? I think that was a really missed opportunity. I think with the, how they put this match together and the absolute beatdown and shit-kicking that Jericho takes, but then there's a distraction, Aubrey gets taken out of the match, we get the, you know, the uh, the bat spot, the Judas effect. Wardlow's out for the count, and MJF has to count the three. I think that just perpetuates the story in a way that we we really haven't seen in wrestling in a really long time. I think that's a missed opportunity. Absolutely. After the match, Sean Spears basically attacking Jericho right away. Um, a quick little beatdown. Sammy Guevara comes out for the save. Uh, MJF comes back in the ring and, and takes the, uh, he took like the sling, whatever you want to call it off, the compression sleeve, whatever he had on, and gets him in the salt of earth. Really, really still actually kind of forgot that Jericho had this arm injury to his left arm from the, uh, what was that going back to the blood and guts match? You know what I mean? Like it's been a while, but, yeah. uh, re really, uh, cranking on that arm, you know, softening him up even more. So for this matchup next week, I think all this is really good. Um, Hager eventually has to come out and, and, uh, help, help the inner circle boys out as they were kind of getting three, three V two there for a bit. And, uh, pinnacle really clearing the ring. Um, MJF gets the mic at the top of the ramp, uh, as he's been doing after these labor matches to announce the stipulation for labor five next week. It is no Judas effect, no Judas music. And I got really excited when he announced that because you know, that crowd is going to be electric 
in Houston singing Jericho to the ring acapella style. Yeah, I mean, uh, this after the match stuff was, in my opinion, really just to get some of these stars out there, you know, like Sean Spears and Sammy. Sammy got a huge pop. Uh, you know, we're joking. Why is Sammy and Hager coming out at different times? Like, their group, are they not hanging out in the back and not watching, you know, the feed? And so uh, a little bit hokey, but uh, I mean, as soon as MJF grabs this mic, I'm giving you full props here. You called the stipulation before he even said it. You knew it was going to be no Judas effect. And I just love that no Judas music for two reasons. The, the first reason is it brings some realism into it as if the entrance is what gets Jericho hyped up for the match. And it's kind of like having the home crowd kind of idea. Right. But it also gives that it's taking away from the crowd. And that's totally what you want to do as a heel. Whoever thought of that absolute genius I think MGF could have come up with that, but I want to say this is this is the goat, Chris Jericho. Yeah, I think this is Jericho too, hundred percent. So yeah, that's that's dynamite this week. It was an amazing show. Like I said, it was really really fun to watch. Um, there wasn't really any low spots. Like I said, that six man tag with with best friends and and Hardy family office. It, it wasn't a bad match. It just kind of had some bad elements to it. So you know, two hours of just awesome an awesome show of wrestling. Yeah. I love this show. It was really good. And just getting me so hyped for, for all out in a couple of weeks, you know, at the beginning of the month and we were kind of, we were laid out the roadmap of what August was going to look like leading into September. I, I think they're hitting it. There was just that one kind of that one missed opportunity there last week. The, the show kind of didn't deliver, but uh, I think they're killing it right now. All right, let's get right into Friday Night Rampage. Friday Night Rampage, August 13th, live from Britsburg, Pennsylvania. Once again, this is episode one, debut episode of the new show, rampage it's an hour long on friday nights um i mean i've been counting down the days to this it's is kind of exciting that it's really exciting that aew is expanding to this to this kind of point to where they they are getting a second show on tv and i know they got dark and elevation on on youtube and stuff like that and i think that's a really good opportunity for a lot of uh a lot of the uh, lower card, you know, jobbers, for lack of a uh, of a better term, enhancement talent, whatever you want to say, to to get out there and have some good matches. It's built stars like Fuego and Kylan King and and Sean Dean. You know what I mean? It, it's a great thing. But we've talked about in the past with Dynamite and some of these lower mid card guys. Ethan Pages, you know, Scorpio Skies. It, it, it's, it's weird to say lower mid-carders for some of these guys, but they haven't gotten the TV time that maybe they deserve. And I think with an extra supplementary episode on Friday, an extra hour of wrestling, it'll be an opportunity for those 
for those guys to, to make a name for themselves. Of course, it's a brand new show. We got to get eyes on the product. This is star-studded. Debut episode of Rampage. We got three titles on the line, including the Impact the Impact World Championship, TNT title, and, of course, the AEW Women's title. What are your thoughts going into the first debut episode of Rampage? Well, I have to uh, first admit that I thought this was going to be a two-hour show, so <laughs> I had a nap before so that I could stay up this late to watch it. Uh, but actually was pleasantly surprised when it was only going to be an hour and uh, I thought that this was going to be kind of a, a really rapid paced show, which I th I think what we got, we still had quite a few commercial breaks, but I mean, it kept, kept me interested uh, in it going the whole way. And um, I guess the only other thing I thought was, you know, this is in direct competition of vanilla as uh, we have SmackDown going on uh, probably a little bit earlier in the night. Yeah. So AEW very strategic, and we saw this when they did the Friday Night Dynamite. They waited until SmackDown was over. So SmackDown runs from 7 to 9 Central, or 7 to 10 Central, I should say. No, 7 to 9, two hours. <laughs> and 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 Rampage is running at 9 o'clock to 10. So I think... I think very specific, uh, very, very strategic uh, time slot for Rampage to go on at nine after SmackDown. I'm curious to how many people watching SmackDown tuned in to Rampage, the debut match. We'll have to find out those numbers for next week. For sure. Let's talk about the commentary team really quickly. It It was announced that this is the commentary team. This isn't you know, just for the debut match is the way I'm looking at it. We're having a four-man announced team, Mark Henry, Chris Jericho, Taz, and Excalibur. Um, I'm liking all of this except for maybe Taz. Uh, throughout the night, I feel like Mark Henry either left or stopped talking. I really don't remember him outside of this first matchup. Um, yeah, because uh, he interviews... He does some interviews later in the right. show, and then I don't think he's at the desk. Yeah. So he might have a dual role. Yeah, and and which I like. Uh, I think that's a smart idea. You know, get get have the four-man team for kind of the opening match, and then maybe, yeah, Mark Henry goes off and does some other things for the rest of the show, which would be really cool. Uh, overall thoughts on the show? I, 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 I like the one hour. I, I think it's... I don't feel like I'm spending an entire night kind of watching wrestling. It's it's quick, it's fast, and if they're going to have these types of matches, like these types of big matches on here, um then that like it's it's worth staying up till, you know, 10 o'clock to to watch some wrestling. Right. I I I feel like they gave us a lot in an hour. I thought with, with three championship matches, mind you, the one did involve Fuego del Sol. It wasn't going to go 10 minutes or anything like that. But to have three championship matches announced in only an hour to do it, I, I really didn't expect a lot of segments in between. But we got kind of a lengthy segment after this first matchup. And we got that interview segment uh, before the main event. So we did get, you know, some some wrestling, you know, stereotype or, or 
tropes, I guess is the word I'm trying to think of, you know, having interviews, having backstage moments. Uh, so that's really cool. Uh, I'm excited to see how Rampage evolves in the next, uh, the next few months. Yeah, this definitely wasn't like WWE main event. Right. Which, you know, we thought maybe it could be that. This wasn't just a highlight package. This was a actual live uh, show that we were seeing. So um, that's definitely important to mention, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I like that. Let's talk about this first matchup. Uh, what a way to start off a brand new show as the Impact World Championship is on the line. Kenny Omega taking on Christian Cage. We talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the Dynamite section, how it's a little weird that we're getting this championship match leading into a, another championship match between these two in a couple of weeks at All Out. But besides that, this was a really awesome match. Uh, if If this is... You know, this is definitely the first time these two have ever locked up, and you would never have guessed that. We're, we're talking about two of the best pros in professional wrestling in, in the history of the game. Of course, these two are going to lo- link up and have instant chemistry. If this match is any kind of indicator of what we're going to see at All Out, we're, we're probably going to have a lot more time to, to dabble being on a four-hour show or, or a three-hour show. Um, I'm super excited. Yeah, I mean... It- you, if you want to get eyes on this very first show and you're kind of later in the evening after, you know, SmackDown's already went for two hours, you got to get Kenny Omega on this show and you're not going to get Kenny Omega fighting, um, you know, red shorts. It's got to be <laughs> a big name. It's got to be someone that seems plausible that a title change could happen here um, to, to, to get the eyes in and get people talking about this show. So I think it was a, a perfect first match to have. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of talk, uh, you know, m- mainly coming from from Jericho here on commentary that these two are Canadians. There's a Canadian rivalry. There's some real Canadian heat. And surprisingly enough, Taz puts Canadian heat over as he's like, oh, you better watch out for that Canadian heat. That's some real heat. I was just like, holy shit, Taz. All right. One step back up the rung on, on Tally's ladder there. I like it. I like it. What'd you think of the Canadian heat line? Uh, I mean, Jericho is, is really, this was almost kind of dark style commentary where they're having more of a conversation. Jericho's talking about how there's a rivalry between Toronto and Winnipeg, Toronto being kind of the area where Christian Cage is from and Kenny Omega obviously being in the wrestling capital of, of the world, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. And um, this new comes up Canadian heat that's definitely now a thing that will be used on this show when we're talking about a match that features just Canadian wrestlers 100% 100% so overall this match like I said these guys gelled right from the right from the first lockup Uh, as we we go through the match really well put together really well structured it kind of had everything we had some outside we had some you know, submission holds, you know, they really built this match like a wrestling match should be. Uh, should also point out that we had a commercial break to break this up, but because we up in Canada aren't watching on live TSN TV, we're watching this on digital media is the only way we could watch it. We got to watch the match full with commentary during the commercial breaks. I absolutely love that. Oh yeah, that was fantastic. Cause then when we did get a break, I really felt like I could 
you know, leave the computer and, and, and actually take a break. So, um, it was awesome to have the commentary cause they still continue to do full commentary during the commercial breaks. So man, I wish we could watch every wrestling show like that. Yeah, for sure. That is a really good selling point to maybe, uh, get AEW plus on fight network. You know, that's, it's, it's making us. Think. I looked it up last night. It's only available in the U S. Ah, lame. I know. Come on. That's what VPNs are for. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about the end of this match. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the Dynamite, Hepner refereeing that tag team championship match. He's back for Rampage to to referee this match. He gets distracted by Don Callis. Uh, I thought this was one of the be- better done distractions of a ref we've ever seen. Uh, Remsburg, take notes. Hepner knows how to do this. Dan Callis was was very animated in this. This leads the Young Bucks sneaking down to the ramp. I like how they just keeping into that douchey character as they they didn't run to the to the ring. They didn't, you know, just walk. They they looked like they were literally tiptoeing. Yeah, they were like bad guys in a Bugs Bunny movie or something. You know what I mean? Like they were just like do do do. So they bring the chair in. Kenny sets it up. He's gonna do the one winged angel onto the chair. Surprisingly. Christian Cage turns it around and we get a kill switch through the chair. And I'm like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. And then all of a sudden, Hepner, with no rhyme or reason, just turns around and counts the three. New Impact World Champion. I'm in utter shock right now for, for a multiple multiple reasons. Like, what what did we just witness? I mean... Yeah, uh, I was so shocked as well. And, and I'm just questioning my life and questioning the world as we know it. And like, what does this mean? This is the this is the belt collector and the belt collector has lost one of his belts. Is this two. the end of the belt collector? Two of his belts. Yeah, two, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I was befuddled. Yeah. I mean, it. We, we've said this before. This is what makes a swerve a swerve. You don't see it coming. You literally, <laughs> at the beginning of this match, you're like, Kenny's not losing this. I'm just going to type it in right now. You actually had to delete and type in Christian Cage. I, I think that just goes to show what this moment kind of meant. Now, this completely rocks the wrestling world in the fact that the belt collector isn't really the belt collector anymore. He's lost two of his belts. We should mention Kenny is facing Andrade tonight on triple mania as we're recording this i said many many months ago when that match was announced if there was ever a belt kenny was going to lose it was going to be the triple a belt triple a really hasn't been fully a part of the forbidden door lately and they got to be pissed off that their that their main championship has been hijacked in jacksonville for over a year i'm thinking he's losing tonight even more so now I mean, I'm all, I'm getting on your train. I I think he definitely could lose that, and then a, like a, a loss at all out to lose all of the belts. He no longer has any. Um, I think there's some good stories that could could come out of that. Um, you know, one of them being being kicked out of the elite, just like Hangman, and maybe that gets those two back together. Wow, I like that. I, I kind of like that. If if anything. If anything comes out of Kenny losing all these belts, he'll finally shave that 
the mutton chops off, I think. Because remember the, the headfield? Yeah, yeah, he uh the Bucks did the mustaches and then they lost that match and they got rid of them right away. And then the the whole story on BTE is that Kenny's been trying to get rid of this this mustache. So, I mean, it, it, it's all in good fun. Uh, like I said, one of the most shocking things ever. It puts everything to question. I have no idea what's going on. It's kind of one of those rare moments where I'm just at a loss. But, uh, yeah, a lot of options going forward. Uh, Jurassic Express comes out to celebrate. We go back to another commercial break. Uh, we come back, interview in the back with Mark Henry. Uh, interviewing Christian, we just get a quick kind of promo about like, this is just the beginning. Wait until all out. I'm coming for that AEW championship belt as well. Um, something kind of weird is that orange Cassidy is just randomly hanging out in the back of this interview. They put him on camera during this match that him and Statlander were sitting front row. We saw varsity blondes, with Julia Hart were sitting front row again. They were there the whole show. But why is Orange Cassidy in the back here? Is this, I can only assume that maybe in these next two weeks leading into All Out, we might get an Orange Cassidy versus versus Christian for this Impact Championship. Yeah, I was totally expecting that they would acknowledge Orange Cassidy and maybe he would say something about, hey, you know, good win, but... I want to be the first one to challenge for it. We, they don't acknowledge him at all. He's literally just standing in the back and um, that's how it ends. I mean, I like it because it's kind of mysterious and I want to know more about it, but I mean, an unexpected loss for Kenny Omega. And then this, I just, uh, I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And we got Fuego and Miro coming up. Yeah, exactly. Um, it should, I, I should know just because it's on my mind, there's already a match set up for um, Impact where I think it's next Friday, not the 20th, but the 27th or, or whatever, the next. I can't remember, but um, Impact has a, a special show happening on a Friday night and Christian will be defending the Impact World Championship against Brian Myers. Oh wow! So that'll be a good match. That that'll be something to look forward to. Canadian but, Heat. Canadian Heat. <laughs> what? Brian Myers isn't Canadian. He's not. No, he's from Long Island. <laughs> he should be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to ruin your day, but yeah, no, he's oh, Long man. Island. I totally thought he was Canadian. <laughs> That's funny. All right, let's get into this next matchup of the night: Fuego del Sol versus Miro, TNT title and an AEW contract on the line. We got a nice, well-produced uh, vignette before the match as uh, Fuego just lets everybody know what's on his mind, the pressure that he feels in this moment. And like I said, this is maybe the second time Fuego's been on TV, on cable television in a match. You know, we've seen him come out and check on Cody and stuff like that before. Um, but like... You know, this is his moment. This is his chance. If he wins, he gets that AEW contract, which has been such a story in the background on BTE and Sammy's vlog and stuff like that. Uh, Miro makes his way out, and Fuego doesn't even wait for the bell and immediately hits his signature move, the Tornado DDT. I popped. Like, I'm like, holy shit. Like, and we just saw one of the most surprising championship changes, you know, on TV to date. We might get another one. Like, I'm fully on Fuego's side as this match kicks off. Yeah, you're totally expecting this to be a squash match. And and we got titles changing on a, a weekly show. It, 
I'm starting to feel like this is possible. We get the, uh, the, the quick start by Fuego. And I mean, he had control of this for the first little while here. I think he hit three or four right. of these tornado DDTs. So, I mean, I couldn't imagine what it's like being in the crowd, but I know that I was feeling like we're going to see another title change and, and, and this rampage. So brand new is now the show to watch. Right. hundred percent. And while this is all going on and Fuego's getting this stuff in, I can't help but think like, this is exactly what I thought we were going to see from Miro. He's putting this kid over. He's giving him his stuff. Miro is the man right now. He he's, he is a professional wrestler. He's not just a squash machine. I love it. Uh, Miro does finally get a hold of things, gathers himself, gets on the attack, hits a couple of big moves, and immediately puts Fuego in the game over. Fuego passes out instantly like uh, like everybody else has been doing. Um, so hashtag and still Miro does win uh, does win the match, keeps his TNT title. But more importantly, I like how he grabs the contract. They had the clipboard out there, grabs the contract and rips it up uh, in front of everybody. I thought it was a really, really cool touch. Um, you know, what, what would you think of how this all ended up? I mean, it was exactly what we expected, but I just like how they kind of swerved us in how they, how we got to that part. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think that Miro was maybe lacking some some heat here. You you saw signs in the crowd that were really pro pro Miro, like Miro is God, and you know these right. kinds of things. I, I think the ripping of the contract gets him some heat, which I think he needs um, as his character is a bit more heel than it is face. So um, just yeah, really well done by everybody here. Fuego looked good, and Miro just being the absolute professional and uh, getting Fuego even more than he already was. Yeah, I completely agree. So we go to a commercial break, and as we come back, Fuego is just waking up. He's he's staggering. He's kind of getting up in the ring. It's kind of one of those moments that you see like a retirement match of some sort where, you know, the, the, the wrestler loses his last match, he has his moment in the ring to to soak it up. The the fans are just, you know, showering with praise. Like, I know you lost, but you 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 did it, bud. We're we're still proud of you. We're still behind you. Fuego makes his way up. It was kind of that moment which I thought was really cool. And then Sammy Guevara's music hits. What are you thinking in that very moment? I didn't actually know what what to think. I thought it was a bit weird. In that, in the AEW universe, they're not really together. Right. They're together in the the vlog universe. That's um, a good point. So I think the only thing I was thinking here is like, he can't even ask him to be part of Inner Circle. He doesn't have a contract. Right. So I, I was just like, this is weird. Well, I'm thinking at this point, as the music hits and, and Sammy kind of comes out onto the ramp, I'm like, oh, this is just going to be that moment where Sammy comes out to console his friend, kind of ties the two, you know, AEW universe and the vlogiverse together, and he just kind of walks him out the ramp. But as you were about to say, I'm sure, Sammy gets to the middle of the ring or to the middle of the rampway and out the other entrance... It comes uh, Tony Khan, and just seeing him, I mean, 
would have said a lot, but then he's also got a clipboard in his hand with what looks like a contract. And I think from there, the, the writing was on the wall. Yeah, it was pretty obvious. And even, I mean, Fuego sold this moment really well, but even he knew what was going on. And it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder, we, we talked about this while we were watching last night, what did they tell him? Because you have to remember, he takes the one or he passes out to the game over. He's in the middle of the ring. We go to commercial break. He sat there. He laid in that ring for two minutes. You know, this is a live show. He wakes up, you know. So what did they tell him was going to happen? You know, you're going to take the fall. We're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, you're going to get up and, and be staggered. But then, you know, what was he expecting to happen? Out comes Sammy, out comes Tony Khan. He can see the clipboard. I think that's a very genuine reaction from Fuego. I think there was a moment of like, holy shit, they're surprising me with the contract. But then the wrestler comes in and he's like, oh, I got to act like I don't, I maybe don't know what's going on. Like, so I think Fuego absolutely killed this moment. Yeah. I, I, I think they told him that Sammy was going to come out. Probably didn't tell him the reason why. And yeah, I think you're right. I think he had an idea of the clipboard, but I don't think he knew exactly what it was because it could have been another challenge, right? It could have been, hey, if you fight this guy, you know, then then you're going to get it. Maybe Tony feels bad. He's going to give you another chance. But when when he's told that he's all elite, like when they get that tight shot, like he is crying, like he yeah. is visibly emotional that all of the the hard work from 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 taking the uh the the uh the high spots from his deck onto the yeah. trampoline it's all paid off <laughs> it's all paid off yeah and i mean i couldn't i couldn't imagine that marco stunt wasn't rubbing his contract in fuego's face you know just as a some some lighthearted ribbing between friends on on sammy's vlog you know so i mean huge moment fuego is hashtag all elite I, I like that i like how sammy put that as he hands him the contract fuego you're all elite um so great awesome moment for for fuego welcome to the team can't wait to see what you do with it it's a long time coming uh i gotta think kylan's next kylan's got to be the next one right yeah let's hope uh, from there, we get a tight shot of Darby and Sting hanging up in the rafters. I think uh, Jericho really put that moment over, you know, going back to the WCW days. Sting loves to be in the rafters. That was really cool. We also get a video package hyping up Chicago next week. I, I, I was watching this intently to see if they hinted at anything. You know, they, 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 they brought up the best in the world stuff again, but that's really nothing new that we haven't heard before. But yeah, I'm totally expecting... When Darby comes out next week on Rampage to do some kind of promo, or if he's having a match, the 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 phone is turning on, the recording is going on. I'm getting my live reaction from when Call to Personality hits because it's happening next Friday. I'm guaranteeing it. <laughs> if they swerve All us, right. if they if they take that away from us, oh, I'll be mad. <laughs> do you think that they could they could pull a vanilla and and play the music with no entrance? You know, and then have some heel kind of come out laughing. Like QT. About, yeah, QT or something. Yeah. Could they do that? I don't know. If they did. It would be good nonetheless. If they did do it, 
and they got that reaction, you know, and there's a ton of heat on, on QT, they can't end the show. Punk still has to come out. Oh, so, so yeah, Punk comes and go to sleep on QT. Something and then like walks that. Out, yeah. Doesn't even talk. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Because you, oh, that would be so mean, man, if they did it like that. <laughs> like, I remember, I remember that, like, it was the summer. This might have been three, four months after Royal Rumble, you know, CM Punk left. We still don't know what's going on. And that music hits. I pop. I'm like, holy shit, it's happening. And then Paul Heyman walked out, sat down in the ring and cut a promo. Like, that, that'd be mean. That'd be really mean. We get an interview before the match, uh, before the main event here, Mark Henry talking to Red Velvet and, and, Britt, and Britt Baker. This was, you know, pretty standard kind of stuff. They were, like, set up in different rooms, it looked like. Um, I don't know if even Britt Baker was at home. They made it look like her home anyways. Who knows? But um, I thought that was really cool. We get into this match, AEW Women's Championship match. This was really well done. I really enjoyed watching this. I think the moment of the women's division main eventing this uh this debut episode of rampage it being in pittsburgh the crowd 100 percent Britt baker in this moment really helped elevate this match i think if this is just throwing on a dynamite uh exact exact same thing it doesn't really have that that x factor to bring the match up but i enjoyed myself watching this match thoroughly and uh you know it was one of the better, it was, you know, arguably match of the night. It, it, it kind of stole the show uh, if it wasn't for the the title change from Kenny and Christian. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this match as well. Uh, there's really not a lot to critique. Uh, I really like Red Velvet as a wrestler. Uh, I think she has some places she needs to improve, but I mean, she hasn't been in the business that all that long. The ending part here got a little bit weird. And again, it's that Britt Baker getting into that kind of lockjaw position. And there's a lot of rolling around on the mat. It just it, it just kind of looks a little bit weird. But I mean, overall, the story here was good. Britt wrestling with a, what they're saying is a broken arm. Uh, the arm comes into play later on in the match. And, you know like uh just a, a really good story with the the ending that all of Pittsburgh wanted which was Brit uh, still the champ. I really like that they teased Velvet putting in the lockjaw. Uh, I thought that was really well done. Just just before it leads into all the kind of the rolling around they reversed it like on each other two or three times. Britt Baker can't put it on with her right hand, so she flips over and does it with the left hand. I thought it was really cool. Velvet taps out, of course, and still Britt Baker, AEW Women's Championship. But as we always say, and Rampage is no different, besides this being an, a title match on a debut show for the women's division, this is all about the end of the match as Britt Baker celebrating, celebrating her win, in comes Chris Statlander. And Statlander decking Britt Baker here, odd move. I, I feel like maybe they could have picked somebody else for this moment, but when you look at the power rankings, Statlander is kind of the next in line, especially with her win over Nyla on Wednesday. Um, I just feel like this puts unnecessary heat for it being, you know, in Pittsburgh. 
you know, Statliner kind of comes off looking looking kind of heelish here. I know they'll be able to flip it around once we're out of Pittsburgh. So I guess it's not that big of a deal, but that's kind of my critique on the moment. Um, Rebel, of course, coming in to, to try to save, save Britt Baker, but the, the hooded figure in a hat comes out and decks Statlander and the hat comes off. And I have no idea who this is. <laughs> But she picks up, she picks up Britt Baker and, you know, thank God for commentary. If if I was in Pittsburgh live, I wouldn't have no idea who that was. And I would have to wait to watch it at home, you know, to, to find out who that was or hit the Twitterverse right away to find out who it was. I had no idea. Right. I, I don't know that even the, the smart marks out there even know who this person was because when we looked her up, she looks different than when we would have first saw her. Yeah, that's true. But, um... Yeah, no, I think um, I think what subtly happened here was Britt was setting up Red Velvet for the curb stomp, yes. which Statlander came in for the save. So I don't know if that it was, uh, you know, such a, a heelish thing of more of a face, kind of saving a face kind of right. thing. I forgot that. But that it, it, it was pretty subtle. It was pretty subtle. But um, Britt getting the curb stomp at the end, I thought was uh, fantastic and doing it right on top of the, the championship belt. Um, could signal maybe a, a rematch between these two ladies. Uh, but it almost seems in my opinion that we're going to see the next challenger being Statlander here. Yeah. I, I think that's where it's going to red velvet had her shot. Didn't quite get it. Well, let's talk about Jamie Hader coming in and she is the outside kind of enforcer for, for Britt Baker that she teased a couple weeks ago. We saw her on what would be the fourth episode of dynamite ever as she came out in Pittsburgh to wrestle Britt Baker. So I think there's an interesting story there. I wonder if they're going to use that. Uh, I'm sure on dynamite, we're going to get an interview of some sort an explanation on why it is Jamie Hayter. But uh, this is a girl who's worked, um, you know, for, for the vanilla brand NXT UK. Uh, she seems like she's, uh, you know, gotten fit. We'll say like, she looks amazing. I mean, she's wearing a black hoodie and black pants, but you could just see it in her face. Like she's probably absolutely jacked underneath now. So yeah, really excited. Uh, we got a new, a new face in the women's division and uh you know another another i don't want to say mean girl that's not the right word that's kind of danny jordan's gimmick <laughs> but uh you know an another enforcer another goon and i, I think it, the the fit with uh Britt baker will really work out yeah and uh i mean we were kind of thinking that this enforcer type character that Britt was talking about might have been you know, Ruby Riot, something like that, that, that we know had been released and is kind of a free agent. Um, I didn't like Ruby Riot as that person, just because I felt like she was smaller than Britt Baker. So right. how can you be an enforcer if you're smaller? But uh, Jamie being, you know, a little bit taller and probably a little bit bigger than, than Britt Baker. So I think this is going to work out and, um, you know, good on Jamie Hayter for, I'm assuming being all elite or is this a yeah. one-time thing? Yeah. That's what we're, we're going to see. We went, I was uh, searching, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, both, both 
hashtag all elite announcements from AEW for Fuego Del Sol and Jamie Hayter. Jamie Hayter right is on. all elite. Um, so yeah, that was Rampage debut episode. Like I said, it was an amazing show, super hyped. The big swerve with the title change and the Impact World Championship. Uh, an amazing match between Red Velvet and Britt Baker. I think this does this does a lot for Red Velvet, and that and that'll be you know a yet to be seen kind of thing. But I, I think this does big things for Red Velvet's career. Yeah, amazing. I can't wait until next Friday in Chicago, the United Center. It's gonna happen. I'm telling you, is Dynamite in Chicago as well? No, Dynamite's in Houston. So this, oh, I mean, okay. let's quickly talk about this this roadmap that they set for us. They were in Texas last week. They fly up to the East Coast in Pittsburgh. They're going back to Texas, and then up to Chicago. They do a stop in Wisconsin, and then back to Chicago. It's it seems like a a weird a weird path where you know usually they just kind of follow the towns right so what you're saying is this is very strategic like they're doing these for specific reasons maybe yeah we'll have to put the puzzle together after it's all said and done but it's an exciting time man i can't like rampage is awesome i'm glad i was worried about this extra hour of wrestling a week but uh if this is how the show is going to be formatted and it's going to be a fast-paced majority matches, uh, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Yeah, so am I. All right, that's our show for this week. Um, I just want to mention that uh, this is kind of going to be the last episode of this format where we in-depth cover everything that happened during the week. I mean, we're we're creeping up on two hours of the show here. We have some ideas for a new format. We're going to work it all out this week and hopefully next week we'll have it in place to to bring you a new presentation of the, of the show, a new presentation of IWP and a new format. Uh, we're, we're hoping to keep the show under an hour. So I'm super excited. Uh, I think it's going to be a much like Rampage, it's going to be a faster pace, more to the point uh, presentation of the week that was AEW and and the Forbidden Door, really. So super excited about what's coming up for us here at IWP. With that being said, thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to the show either on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just search the impromptu wrestling podcast leave us those five star ratings as it helps the show grow and gets us out there to more ears and we'll catch you all next week thanks for listening peace out canadian Heat.